How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Epicenter here. We are back once again. Um, I wanted to uh, thank everybody for tuning in this week, uh, just like you guys have tuned in the last couple weeks. I've already uh, seen a few of you guys subscribe. I really appreciate it. And I wanted to thank my first two guests, uh, DJ J and uh, Abby Fangold, uh, last uh, show for being on. Um, it's gotten really good reception so far, and I really appreciate all the support. Um, this is the first show I've actually managed to get everything working when it comes to the YouTube. So this should be streaming through the epicenter uh, with Aaron Jackson YouTube channel so I'm finally I'm glad I finally got that to work um, the Spotify is fully working now so there should be no uh, issues on that I know a couple people had some issues when it came to uh, listening they let me know um, but now I think all that stuff should be fixed we're good there um, and yeah so I'm very happy that we've gotten everything all the snafus out of the way and everything now is working ship shape um, I wanted to let you guys know that we are going to be having obviously more shows coming up shortly I do not have a schedule yet for next week I would expect it to be Thursday evening or Saturday evening um, and I'm going to have on another artist musician next week so uh, be prepared for that um, I got a few other shows coming up as well over the next few weeks where I'm gonna be having some people who one who's a filmmaker who's actually gonna be going to school down in Southern California um, for that and has made some short films for his YouTube channel and I'll be shouting that out and talking to him about his experience and what motivated him inspired him to do that and a whole lot more be expecting a few more shows on the horizon with that being said, I wanted to go ahead and introduce uh, my guest for this week's show. Um, he is the head swim coach for the Fair Oaks Dolphins and actually got to coach USA Swimming and got to go to the Olympic swim trials in Omaha this last month. Um, I work with him as well. He's a good friend of mine, Jack Solt. How are you doing? Good, sir. Aaron, I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk about what I like to say is the greatest sport in the world. So I'm super <laughs> excited. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, yeah, thank you for coming on. I wanted to have you on because, you know, uh, a lot of the time, you know, and this is me as a reporter too, you know, I cover uh, athletes from around the area. Um, I report on a lot of stuff, but I, I don't really get to report swim that much. And, you know, while I know a little bit about the sport, I don't know, you know, everything about the sport. So, you know, obviously having you on when it comes to the coaching side, you'll be talking a lot about that and I'll be able to learn a little bit along with the audience here. And uh, there's just a lot of stuff I want to get to when it comes to you in general as a coach and just your experiences in the sport. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it here with my first question I have for you and it's mainly just what initially got you into swimming and competitive swimming and at what age did you start so this is a fun one so most people that know me know that I am an absolute swim junkie and like I spend at least five to six days a week on the pool deck I try to spend as many hours as I can whether it's in the water coaching mostly coaching that's my true passion but uh, when I tell people how I got into the sport uh, they kind of give me a weird look and they're all like, that definitely does not sound like you. So fun fact, um, I started swimming at the age of six and um, I was told that I was going to join a basketball team. So when I was younger, the Sacramento Kings from Sacramento, that's when 2002, 2003, that's when they were going to the Western Conference Finals, playing against the Lakers. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So my my headset my headset was i want to be an nba player i want to play in basketball i told my mom like sign me up for basketball i want to play basketball this is what i want to do and she's like okay we're gonna try i'm gonna see what i can do and then she told me that she signed me up for a sport i got super excited i was like oh yeah man i'm gonna to go to basketball practice little confused why the, my other siblings came with us my mom was packing a lot of stuff uh turns out we didn't go to a basketball court we went to a swimming pool and <laughs> i was absolutely irate i was screaming crying i did not <laughs> want to swim my mom even pushed me in the pool when the coach wasn't looking because she was all like no you're gonna swim and um every day at practice i would just complain complain and complain it was just i wanted to play basketball and it wasn't until the very first swimming i remember it vividly it was the Fair Oaks dolphins time trials and uh for those that aren't familiar with the time trials, it's basically every athlete swims every event to get a base time. And then as the season goes on, you work to improve your base time. And then walking onto the pool deck with 180 athletes that there are and their families and the speakers, which is blasting music, the pop-up tents, and you're with your friends from school. And then you get to raise the announcer announces your name. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is incredible. Like, this is awesome. Just, I thought the coolest thing in the world was hearing my name on the intercom system. I might've lost every race. I might've been disqualified in every single race, but just that experience alone. And ever since then, I told myself I never wanted to miss a swim meet. And 23, I am now six. I've stayed pretty close to that goal. So I started off at six. Uh, I owe my mom a lot for me to starting off that sport. Uh, she, she told me it's because growing up in a family of five, joining a swim team, uh, it's one pool, 
you all practice at the same time. So instead of doing soccer or basketball where she has different pools or different places to go, they can all be together. So she made us swim for like eight years and my siblings didn't like it, but I stuck with it. But that's a little bit about how I got started with swimming. So yeah, uh, thanks mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's a great story. And, and you know, um, obviously like you mentioned, you know, you were doing stuff with the, the Dolphins early on. Um, I was looking at your bio and you've actually been a coach with the Dolphins ever since the age of uh, 14. Explain to me how you got involved with the Dolphins init uh, initially out, you know, uh, when it came to the coaching side of things, how did you get the opportunity to start coaching for them at such a young age? Yeah, so uh, the really cool thing about the Dolphin program is uh, we have these positions called junior coaches. So they're volunteer coaches. You can uh, sign up to do community service if you need hours and stuff like that, or if you just genuinely love the sport. And uh, we start taking junior coaches at the age of 14, and it's your opportunity to kind of go on the deck, learn from the coaches, help younger kids swim. Because when I was a little six and under, I had junior coaches in the water with me who taught me how to swim. So I kind of went into the mindset of, oh, it was like, I remember those coaches. I still talk to some of them on occasion. I'm like, I kind of want to be that person for these younger athletes. So I got in at 14 and it just came natural to me. I just loved being in the water with them, seeing them smile, just loving the water and just feeling safe in the water, which is a huge thing, especially since we're so close to the ocean and the lakes and all that stuff. So my mom told me, she was like, you should do it. And I was a little hesitant at first. And then she's all like, well, I made you swim and you love it. And now I'm telling you to coach and you're going to love it. And she was right again. So I started <laughs> off uh, at that point. The head coach was a gentleman by the name of Steve Marr, who uh, was definitely my coach growing up, taught me the fundamentals of swimming and stuff like that. And he gave me that opportunity. And then ever since then, every every season, 365 days a year, every time we had practice, I've been in the water just coaching and that's kind of got me to where I am today. Um, I wanted to switch it up just a tiny bit for the moment and actually get to you um, when it came to you as actual a swimmer and a racer um, when it came to your career outside of coaching. You've gotten to swim with Bella Vista High School and Sierra College where you were a part of the state championship team in 2016 and then the runner-up team in 2017. Explain what that experience was like and have you gotten a chance to help coach for either of those programs as well? Yeah, no, good question. So starting off with my high school career, um, Bella Vista is known as one of the best high school swim programs in the state of California. We have athletes um, that have gone and swam for Stanford who are Pac-12, uh, NCAA champions, Olympic trials finalists, and things like that. So walking into that school, knowing that I was going to swim for that school, was it was kind of pretty cool. Um, my head coaches for those programs, I had uh, Coach Kaino Pistorius and uh, Andrew Seeger and Brad Peterson, who really kind of uh, drew that program and made it to where it was. We were two times uh, conference champions. Uh, I swam basically every event. I kind of learned, I learned a lot in that stage of what events I like to swim, which really led me over to my college where I swam for Sierra College for two years. And yeah, my freshman year, we, um, my Dolphins head coach at the time, uh, Michelle Pear, she was kind of telling me, she's like, you have college potential. You need to kind of go and give this a shot. So I went and I reached out to this year, coach uh, Chris Breitbart and Bruce Hasty, And I was like, hey, I'm interested. I went out there, made the team, uh, trained an astronomical amount. I've never done doubles in my life until then. So we trained from like five to nine in the morning. Then we'd come back from like two to five, two to six at night, two days a week, weight training, cardio, water training. We race all across the state of California. And uh, we were the first time in program history that we won the state championship. So most of the state championships are won by programs down in like the Bay Area or Southern California. And uh, to be able to bring it back up north and do it for the first time and like showing that, hey, you can do it from a team like the Dolphins and just in this local area. And all the guys on those teams, like not very few of them were from like out of state or out of country. We had a couple people like that. But uh, for the most part, we were all local athletes. And it was really cool to kind of show, hey, like, we're from Sacramento and we can, we can do something big like that. And then 2017, of course, we were state runner ups and still a huge accomplishment. Super proud. Uh, those are probably arguably the best two years of my swimming career and which is super awesome. Ever since then, I kind of took a step back slowly from competitive swimming and started doing more and more into the coaching realm. But yeah, it was a super awesome experience. I owe everything this year at college and Bella Vista high school. Um, I did get to go back and coach Bella Vista high school in 2020 um, unfortunately that season got cut short due to COVID, so, but, um, it was a really awesome experience. I got a coach with, uh, Paul Murphy, who is a legendary coach in the swim world. Uh, he's worked with fellow or uh, multiple Olympians. He's a, 
he's got a lot of credentials under his belt. So learning and being under his wing and kind of building this team was super awesome. But uh, unfortunately with COVID, I haven't been able to go back to the uh, Broncos. And then for the college, Sierra College, I have a little more I got to do to get there. But hopefully soon you'll be seeing me on a college program deck uh, running, running some good sets. Well, that's awesome. And, um, and you know, it's really, it's actually really interesting because uh, you uh, were with those teams. I um, actually was with the athletic department at Sierra and I was doing some stuff with them when it came to announcing. Uh, I was there from like fall 2016 to spring 2018. And I made my way out to one of the swim meets, but I didn't really get to go out there as much. I was more focused on doing like volleyball, basketball and stuff like that. Um, but uh, one of my good uh, friends of mine who I still talk to, his name's Matt Folsom. He did the PA at um, Sierra for a while. And uh, he would always explain to me, like how how the swimming and everything was going over for you guys and you know you guys obviously had an extremely successful season and that's really cool that you were able to have that experience to get to the state championships um you know and another thing i i think when it comes to sierra is a lot of people i, th I think a lot of athletes uh view that as mm, maybe i could go another step further and try to play for you know a bigger school like berkeley and stuff like that but i think it's a good thing to start with like a, a college like Sierra or a junior college, get that experience of what it's like, you know, to play in college and then maybe take that next step onward. And I've had a lot of other athletes who have been a part of um, other teams uh, like Sierra's football team and then transfer on to schools like Berkeley have said the same thing. Um, were you happy that you did get to play uh, for a junior college or, or, or do, did you have any offers when you were coming out of high school to play for any other universities? Explain to me kind of what that was like. Yeah, so um, I, I had a couple offers. They weren't anything big offers, so they were probably mm -hmm. just like NAIA, lower end Division three. But uh, at the end of the day, I also had a couple goals in mind going into college. So like I was uh, the the best analogy is you're a student athlete because at the end of the day, I knew swimming wasn't going to be able being a competitive swimmer wasn't going to be able to allow me to be a full time career, pay the bills and get the jobs done. So I knew going into college that I had to get a degree that I can use to further myself to be able to afford living in California, which is insanely expensive. But uh, no, I don't regret it one bit. And again, um, just growing up where my uh, the Dolphins coach, Michelle Pear, who was the coach for the Sierra College women's team and kind of telling me like, hey, this is the way to go. I mean, Sierra College uh, as a general, like they that is an elite college athletic program. Uh, just oh. the word junior college steers a whole bunch of people off. They're all like, oh, no, like, that's not really, like, I'd rather just give up on my sport and like, not, not to sound like egotistical or anything, but I guarantee you, you can take those Sierra college teams and go up against division one programs and they could beat them. Like that is how good, like I would say, our, I know our swim team could, our swim team, if you were to put us in a nationally ranked meet and come, we would rank like we, it is a very strong program. And some people might be thinking to themselves, why is he talking about that junior, about a junior college? But again, like you, you hit it nail in the coffin. There are so many professional athletes that have come out from the junior college, like Aaron Rodgers and Brandon Ayuk, who just came yep. to the San Francisco 49ers. Like there are, was there when I was there too. <laughs> yeah, and then um, who was the there was a running back from American River who uh, Devonta Booker. The Raiders, is. yeah, he's with the Raiders. I can't think of his name. Uh, it's oh man, it's gonna elude me. I'm gonna have to look that up. But you right. go ahead. No, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, there's so many sports out there that I can just name, and like junior college. Not only is it cheaper, not only do you get that. Uh, general education you get to improve your stroke you get to improve your sport you get to get better right a lot of people i see them get tired out especially in the sport of swimming because we train so much it's such rigorous training that they go into these big universities and they don't make it past their freshman year and now they're stuck there and they don't have their scholarships and stuff like that junior college and that swimming at sierra college has taught me a lot of just being an adult time management which made me so successful outside of Sierra College, getting to the coaching level that I am, getting to be able to go to Olympic trials, which is super cool from only a junior college level of athletic experience and being around Olympic coaches and Olympic swimmers. It's super awesome. So yeah, like it, it, it annoys me when I tell people and they're all like, oh, you, you did like, that's all you did was junior college athletics. I'm like, well, I'm a state champion. I have uh, right. been racing some of the best in the nation so yeah no i'm super proud i would not change a single moment in the world like i am proud to say that i am a sierra college alumni and i swam for sierra college wolverines 
Yeah, and to, and to piggyback off what you're saying too, you, you were like, oh, they can beat some people from D1 schools. They they have um, the Sierra College uh, softball program, which has been headed by Darcy Brunell for the greater part of the last 20 years. Um, they have won multiple state championships, multiple Big Eight championships. They have played Sac State multiple years and beaten them in series multiple years. I mean, th these teams are no joke. You're not kidding. I mean, they they. The volleyball team um, has won state championship like two times over the last six years, and they have made uh, played some D1 schools. I mean, yeah, the, the program's no joke. I think you make a great point that they are one of the better uh, junior college athletic programs in the state, and they are better than some D1 schools. I, I, I don't think it's a joke, and I do agree. I think they do get a bad rap in that sense. Um, I did want to transition, you know, because you were starting to mention about, you know, U.S. trials and the national team. Um, how did you get the opportunity to start working for USA Swim and explain what the feeling was like? knowing that you would be able to get to work with them yeah so um a big thing about in a sport like swimming which is such a small night uh tight-knit community it's not like the nfl or like football or basketball where you have like your g league and then you have your nba you have like your high schools like everyone knows basketball everyone knows football swimming it's a little different just because not a lot of people know swimming we're only on once every four years and that's for the olympics and after that we kind of get shoved under the table a little bit so to kind of get into uh, swimming and where I got into it's basically just like going into different programs and just being like, Hey, I'm willing to learn just mentorship. That's my big thing. I love just talking to coaches and just being there, being at every meet, even if I don't have athletes in those meets, just being there and just watching people learn how they coach, like what different warm up techniques do they do? Cause every coach is different. Like I, some coaches, they like to yell and kind of get their kids hyped up. Some are more of like, Hey, just like get down and go. They really don't talk. They just give the set and they let them work. Um, so how I got into USA swimming was um, I had a one-on-one -on -one with uh, my old high school coach, Kainoa Pastorius, who currently coaches for the Warriors Aquatics Club. And he basically sat down and he told me straightforward. He's like, listen, if you want to be a good swim coach, if you want to get into these USA programs, you just have to reach out to these coaches. Reach out to the ones in the area that are like up there. You know that they're doing a really good job and they have really good programs and just sit there and watch them and learn how they're doing it. So I've just reached out to a lot of coaches in the area. I've reached out to a couple Olympic coaches or uh, people like that. And I'm just like, hey, I want to sit down. I want to watch you coach. I would love to pick your brain a little bit. Maybe have like a one-on-one, -on -one, grab some coffee or something. And uh, all of those experiences have kind of led me to where I am now. And uh, it's super cool. Uh, for the trials, how I got there it was basically uh, I told I had a goal that I wanted to go to an Olympic trials first off, just to experience that. And then um, – the Sierra Nevada Swim League and USA Swimming kind of gave me with the opportunity to like, hey, if you're willing to like do this, this and this, we like we have these coaches passes. You can definitely go out there and you can kind of just watch how our coaches do their things and how our athletes train and prepare. And it was super cool because a lot of these athletes are the people that I trained with and competed and swim with growing up. So just uh, it's just getting my foot in there and just letting people know like, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm taking it very seriously. I'm committing my life to this sport. And uh, they see it, and it's super awesome. So I owe everything to just Northern California swimming, just all these programs in the area and all these coaches that are taking me under their wing, this 23-year-old kid that has this crazy ambition that he wants to be the best swim coach in the world. It's super awesome, and there's no better place to do it here in Northern California. And I know we'll talk later about why Northern California is so special about swimming, but seriously, we have the best coaches. We have the best programs, and we are swimming. We want to bring each other up. We know everyone. Everyone knows everyone. We want to make sure that we can we work together and put together the best Olympic team possible to give you guys the best show. So it's super awesome. It's, I love it. Uh, you, you mentioned Olympic trials. You got uh, to be able to go to Olympic mm -hmm. trials in Omaha last month. Uh, what was that experience like? And I'm sure you have other goals when it comes to swimming in the future, but how good did it feel to have everything you've worked for lead to kind of that moment and for it to pay off? Uh, it's kind of funny. So I, I feel like uh, I feel like it didn't pay off. I feel like it was just the start of something because like at a very young age, I went to that meet. I really didn't have any athletes under my name. The only people that I went with were the people that were swimming in the meet at in the finals, like doing the big stuff, like making it on TV, making the actual team stuff. So just being there, I'm like, okay, listen, like here I am. No one knows who I am. No one cares that they know who I am. No one's going, everyone that's going to leave this venue is not going to know my name. But now it's my opportunity to go, hey, you didn't know me this Olymp this trials, next trials, guess what? You're going to get to know who I am. And I'm going to be there, and I'm just going to train twice as hard. So, like, I kind of take it as the opposite. I don't think I've made it. I think I'm far from making it. Uh, when when I want to make it is when they announce my name at the end of the meet saying that I'm the head coach of the Olympic team. That's when I know I made it. So it was just a starting point. 
but uh, it was it was an awesome experience. Again, I got to talk to coaches like Bob Bowman, who coached Michael Phelps, and uh, he's going to be on the coaching staff for the women's team. He's going to be taking Allison Smith. Uh, she, he's right now the head coach for Arizona State, so a lot of his pros like uh, Chase Kalich are going out to train with him. I got to talk to David Marsh, who was uh, the women's coach last Olympics. Uh, he trained Ryan Lockie for the longest time and just kind of just seeing, hey, how did he go with this scenario, right? Okay, so one of his athletes didn't make it, but they have another event. How does he rest them? How does he hydrate them, making sure that they're all ready to go? But, um, yeah, it was an awesome experience, something that I hope I will never miss in Olympic trials again. Um, and I'm just super proud of what Northern California was able to do. And I'm just happy to be that they gave me the opportunity to go out there and just experience what elite, like what the best of the best in the world could do and just see how they do it. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Um, yeah. I'm going to have a couple other questions on that front. Um, but uh, first, before we get to that, I want to go ahead and go to my first segment of the show, and that is uh, half and half. Um, I mentioned this the last couple of weeks. I feel like it's very important to uh, get some good news out to some people, get a good news story out. There's a lot of negatives uh, when it comes to uh, the media uh, out there and some stories that go on. And I think it's always good to kind of have a good heartfelt story to kind of go you know, on in the week as well. So this is half and half. One good news story, one weird news story. So let me go ahead and pull this up for you guys here. All right, right here. Wounded U.S. Marine veteran recalls powerful moment before Lightning Stanley Cup game. So right now, the Stanley Cup and hockey is going on. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning are in it. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Ty Edwards, who was severely injured in Afghanistan, stood for the anthem on Wednesday. Regardless how you feel about the anthem and that all whole issue, this is a great story. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Ty Edwards was given a grim prognosis of ever standing or walking again after he was severely wounded in combat in Afghanistan 2008. But on Wednesday, the 20-year Marine veteran did just that and he was cheered on by a crowd of more than 17,000 at Tampa Bay's Amali Arena during the national anthem before game two of the Stanley Cup final. Proudly donning his lightning jersey, 51-year-old Edwards stood as the U.S. Air Force 6th Air Mobility Wing Honor Guard presented the nation's colors, telling Fox News in a phone interview that it was just phenomenal. The Lightning organization and owner, Mr. Jeffrey Vinnick, and the NHL overall are such first-class organizations. It was great to be there with my entire family, Edwards said. So here's a little uh, video. I don't know if it's going to take me to Twitter. Hopefully it does not. Okay, it's not perfect. In Afghanistan in 2008, he was severely injured. He endured a nine-month coma and has since disproved doubts about ever standing or walking again. Please welcome and salute And of course, I could play the whole video, but that's the big part is just to see the ovation that he was able to get, um, knowing, you know, what a lot of these people go through, uh, you know, what, what troops have to go through and everything. I think it's just such a great story and uh, something I really wanted to share with you guys. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and get to the weird or quirky news story of the week that I found this week for you guys. Oh, boy. I am intrigued by this. Too weird, but it, it, I just found it really interesting. The world's longest, basically, slip and slide record broken in West Virginia. You know, there are so oh. many Guinness World Records out there that are just so bizarre and so unique. And I just found this one this week, and I was just, like, so surprised. Because as a kid, a slip and slide was, like, one of my favorite things to do. I loved it. It was one of the greatest yeah. things to do during the summer. So good. So check this out. A horizontal plastic water slide, also known as a slip and slide, set up in West Virginia, broke a Guinness World Record when a, a rider glided 2021 feet, one feet for each year. Uh, we're 2021 right now. The Canaan Valley Resort, a West Virginia state park, hosted the world record attempt by Nash Natural Light Beer on Thursday, and the brand set up a massive water slide for employees to attempt to break the record. Guinness requirements stipulate that the water slide is measured by how far a rider can travel in a single ride. Previous record was 2,006 feet and 10 inches set in Jordan in 2015. We thought that what better way to celebrate 4th of July than to make the world's longest slip and slide and break the Guinness record and bring it back to the USA, Ben Martinez, Natural Lights Marketing Director, told WBOY-TV. A Guinness adjudicator was on hand and verified that the record was broken when an employee managed to managed a run of 2,007 feet, but further attempts managed to increase the record to 2021 feet. And here's a little video for it for you guys. The uh, new Guinness World Record has come to the United States, and it was set right here, West Virginia. 
Canaan Valley Resort hosted Natural Light Beer's attempt at breaking the world record for the largest plastic water slide today over in Tucker County. It looks like a blast. The Natural Light employee broke the world record by nearly 15 feet. Natural Light decided to go for that record in conjunction with unveiling its new USA can. The only thing that would maybe make that even more American is if you had adults in there, and since it's set up by natural light, beer would be the water instead. See, That's I was, was going to say something like that. I remember, yeah. like, man, there's got to be some sort of alcohol in there or something. That oh, it's America, but that's awesome. No, that's yeah, super it's, fun. it's really cool. That could also be a good news story right there, too. I just found it super interesting. So, those are the two news stories of the week for you guys. Um, just found that really cool. So, um, we're going to get right back into it here. Um, now, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is being at Olympic trials, um, you know, with COVID and everything, um, you, you know, there hasn't been full stands of you know, full crowds of fans really in stands in a lot of different states until like the last few weeks, actually, um, where you were in Omaha. It didn't look like there were too many fans at all, if any. Um, what was the experience like being at Olympic trials and being there in such a huge event in front of like very limited fans? So. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. So as when the trials first started, yes, it wasn't as, um, deep fan wise, just because at the start of the Olympics, it's, they only have like a couple events going just because how Olympic trials works is, uh, you go in the first day and you swim your prelims in the morning. If you make semifinals, you have to be top 16 and then you get a race semifinals that night. And then if you make finals, which means you're top eight, that means you get to swim that the very next night. So the first couple days, there isn't very many finals, and most fans want to go out there and watch the finals because if you make top two, you make the Olympic team. So that's why people want to go there. So as the meet went on, it definitely got way more packed. Like I, uh, there, there are some moments where I was in the bleachers and there's literally people like sitting next to me. But yeah, it was it was definitely interesting because the first couple events, like that 400 free, uh, those first events where um, there really wasn't much. Uh, fan interaction at 400 IM. Um, it was interesting to see how the athletes kind of uh, went with that. And a really good example would be the 400 freestyle. So I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, most people probably aren't, but there's a gentleman by the name of Jake Mitchell, 19 years old. Uh, fun fact, he grew up in uh, Sacramento, swam for the Sierra Marlins swim team. I swam against him as a kid. And uh, he swam in the 400 free semi uh, prelims. He made it. And then semifinals, he made it. And then in finals, he got second place, but he didn't hit the Olympic cut. There wasn't very many fans. So three days later, they, for the first time, I think, um, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was the first time in like U.S. Olympic trial history, they swam a time trial. So it was three days later in the finals, and it was really just him in the pool. Eight empty lanes and just him. And uh, they raced finals, so uh, a whole bunch of people. So Tori Huss just made the Olympic team. She broke the uh, the U.S. record in the 100-meter butterfly. The crowd went crazy. Lily King made her second Olympics. The crowd went crazy. Ryan Murphy made his second Olympics. The crowd goes crazy. Like, you have these elite people making the Olympic team and all these newcomers. Like, Claire Kazan made the team, 16-year-old from Anchorage, Alaska, the first Alaskan Olympia to ever do it. So the crowd was crazy. And then you see Jake, and then they say, Hey, we have a uh, a fifth event. We're gonna have Jake Mitchell do a time trial, and everyone that place just went electric. <laughs> and he took off so much time and hit an Olympic cut and took in like the Olympic cut, whatever it was. He went like two seconds faster, and just wow. a couple of days ago, he was he was like two to three seconds slower in swimming. That is a whole lot of time to take off like four or five seconds. And that was just simply, he didn't have anyone next to him. So he couldn't like pace himself to see where he is compared to the first place. or the person that made the team, right. Kieran Smith, he couldn't do that. But the fans just went crazy. The Jumbotron was shaking. So it shows that, yeah, fan in, fans do a lot. And as a former athlete myself, I can tell you, the louder and the more engaged your fans are, the better performances. And Jake Mitchell proved it because he should not have hit that time just when he came in but just how the fans went crazy. And when I say the Jumbotron was literally shaking, it was literally shaking and it was electric, the best swim race I've ever seen in my life. Again, Sacramento kid, but he grew up, he trained in Carmel, but like, it's the prime example. Fans are so important to any sport, but uh, started the trials, 
really quieter fans. The the performances weren't as electric towards the end where it just went absolute crazy. It was awesome. Um, I, I wasn't there for it, but I know a couple of people were telling me that when you were uh, working uh, one, one of the nights that you learned a few of the people that uh, that made it, you went like you were super excited and you were you basically made the whole your whole day. What was your reaction when you saw like everybody who actually made it on your guys' team? Explain oh, like what that feeling was like. So it's, it's cool just because swimming, we're a tight-knit community, right? So just because mm -hmm. we're on different teams doesn't mean that, like, we're competitors against one another because at the end of the day, we want to put the best team forward to represent our country. So these people, like, I swam against them in high school. We went to swim camps together. We were in teams together. But just seeing the amount of work that they put in, most people, no one understands the kind of work that they put in and the sacrifices that they make, especially in a sport that doesn't get – a lot of sponsorship or recognition, they could very easily stop swimming and get a nine to five job and make way more money than they do now. But just seeing the sacrifice pay off and the reaction and not only their faces, but their coaches faces and their families faces. It was super awesome. Yeah, that shift, I went a little crazy because unfortunately, I was not able to be at the entire Olympic trials. The last couple of days I did have to go home and I was and I was at work and just seeing them making it, especially when they were like the fifth or sixth seed having mm -hmm. to jump up three to four spots to make that team and saying that like I trained and worked and competed against Olympians. It's, it's an unbelievable honor and I'm so proud of all of them. And uh, they, they're, they're going to make Northern California and Sacramento proud. So you guys got to watch out. You guys got to watch this summer. <laughs> That's really awesome, man. Um, now I, I did want to mention, cause you, you, you did say that there were parts, there were times during COVID where you couldn't be with, um, Bella Vista. Um, I'm sure that you had events even outside of uh, Olympic trials initially that got canceled or postponed due to COVID. How difficult was it having to wait to do Olympic trials? And if there were any other events canceled or postponed, explain what you did to stay involved over the last year. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, um, we had to cancel our entire Dalton season. So we were part of the North, uh, Northern California Swim League. Uh, we had two weeks of training in March, and then they're all like, with COVID, we're going to have to shut the season down. So we didn't have an entire season. And in a sport where in swimming, where if you take a day off, it takes about one and a half days to get back into shape. So missing a time to where literally my kids got in the water this March. So they literally missed an entire year, almost close to like a year and a half of just no swimming because our season ended in, ended in like november so they only had two weeks in march so really it was december of 2020 all the way to march of 2021 is where they couldn't swim or do anything like that so it took twice as long to get them back in we had to push back olympic trials i know a lot of my uh teammates that are seniors in college that were pushing to make those trials unfortunately they're all like well if it's not going to be that year there's no point in me going to college for another year to train with my college program. So unfortunately that's the end of my career. So I know a lot of people that unfortunately had to end early, but um, the, the ways I just stayed involved was I took that opportunity to just reach out to other coaches and other teams and train and just like learn from them and just like stand next to them. So I do, I practice in the morning because of course I still swim. I love swimming. I still always will. But then afterwards I would just go pool to pool and just look at different coaches, study how they, how they do their drills, how they do their techniques, how they coach. I take different things from each coach and I implement it into my Dolphins coaching and I'm seeing the results with my kids right now. But COVID, yeah, I mean, it made it made me stronger as a coach. I mean, most coaches don't can't really say that they had to cancel an entire season and then a season later have to get their athletes back into shape, into competitive form. But uh, I tried to stay engaged as much as I could. I became American Swim Coach Association certified. Um, I renewed all of my certifications. So I'm an officially like, I'm an official American swim coach, which is super awesome. But uh, yeah, COVID was a little difficult. I, I know this is a little bit of a different question here, but um, I know a lot of athletes, uh, especially high school athletes who wanted to play during COVID it, when, you know, especially here when other states were able to have stuff going on, at least in some form, um, it was very tough for them. And uh, so I don't know exactly who started it. Uh, I was thinking of going out to one of the um, events myself, but there was uh, an account um, early on this year that was called CIF Let Us Play. Yeah, um, yes, yes, and, yes. 
And um, and that, the whole point behind that was uh, to basically petition the governor and petition people in the state to try to get sports back out there for high school. And eventually, I think, I don't know if they were the only ones, but eventually I feel like enough pressure was put on by them and people who actually did those protests to where stuff did start coming back, at least in small forms. That was actually how I got my opportunity to be uh, an announcer for the Lincoln High School football team. Um, I know that you, um, I seem to remember, I think you went to one of those events. Explain yeah. like what that experience was like, you know, being able to actually, you know, try to fight for these kids, you know, that were preaching public health, but at the same time, getting out and you know playing sports is also good for your health. So explain kind of what it was like being able to be a part of that and, you know, be a part of trying to get sports back going again. Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome experience just because, especially in high school, high school is extremely brutal just because different sports have different kind of personas, right? So, like, you had, like, your swimmers, you had your football, and then, like, your cheer, and then, like, your basketball. But at the end of the day, everyone kind of just came together. We, we worked together, and we were like, hey, listen, we understand that we're in a global pandemic. We need to do this safely, especially with those sports that we can make outdoors, so like football and swimming and track and stuff like that, where we can enable social distancing. Like, it is very feasible to do it. It was mm -hmm. extremely possible. And just working together as a team and understanding like, hey, this is what's important for our kids because you, you learn so much more from doing like a high school sport than you would from like a high school class. And like, that's no offense to our education system or our teachers. They're doing a fantastic job at uh, leading our future students to be the leaders of America. But at the end of the day, just the teamwork and learning it's okay to fail. And when you do fail and when you do lose, how you have to get back up and train even harder to reach that next goal it was super important and you can just kind of tell everyone's morale kind of went down when there was no sports people were eating too much they were getting depressed sports brings happiness together sports brings people together people either if you play them if you watch them if you study them you love reporting them people just love sports and just being around them so when you take something that brings a team or like a school together like everyone goes and cheers on their high school football teams or high school basketball teams right when you take that away it's just not it's just not good and especially in a way where you can wear masks and you can make it socially distant and make it safe for everyone and it's it was definitely feasible so i'm very proud of the initiatives and the people that stood up and uh, let them play ca um i went to one of those i went to the one over in fair oaks just because that's where i grew up and trained we stayed outside of the sunrise mall we had posters we had people honking we got some television time air news and we were just like listen like let the kids play we'll do it safely uh, we would love to work with local governments and guidelines to make sure that we do it safe. So like in the sport of swimming, we made it to where we'd only have four kids in the pool at a time, two on either ends of the lane. We'd have two coaches. Coaches are masked the whole time. Every time the kids enter the water, they can take their masks off. The moment they exit the water, they have to put their masks on and leave the deck. There was no spectators on the deck. We make sure everyone was uh, scanned going in, temperature checked, all that good stuff. And uh, I'm happy to say in our season, no one really tested positive from the program, we we didn't have to shut anything down to quarantine for anything like that. So it works, and I'm happy to see that other programs are now finally being able to go and play sports again and do what kids love to do, and that's compete. And I think that's such a great thing, too, because so much when it came to uh, COVID got so like politicized and everything. And, and the whole point behind the, the movement you guys are doing is, look, we're not politicizing anything. We just want to get back out there and play. We agree that there's stuff that should happen. It was a great, like moderate thing for for people to get a part of and actually really try to get stuff back going. And I think that uh, it gained a lot of respect. It gained a lot of traction and, and inevitably led to sports actually coming back, at least in some way, shape or form, which I think is such a great thing. Um, I wanted to switch gears for a moment and ask you going uh, back to coaching once again um who are some people and how many around the area have you coached that have actually won term tournaments trophies or at least some achievements around the area explain to me kind of like who you've gotten to coach kind of how far they've gotten all that kind of stuff yeah so right now uh since i'm uh, i'm not really newer to the coaching realm but i'm definitely newer to like the, the competitive coaching realm um, I would say with my Dolphins, uh, I have a lot of athletes that have gone to swim for collegiate programs, anywhere from community college all the way up to Division One. Um, I have, I'd say, about seven to eight current people on my team that are team record holders or league record holders. I have a breaststroker who went a 111 in the 100-yard breaststroke with little to no high school swim experience, which is absolutely unheard of. So all she did was swim for me for our summer program and our fall program. In the winter, in the, in the winter and the spring, she kind of just did her own thing, stayed in shape, which was super awesome. Um, the cool thing about the team that I'm on right now is that most of them really don't have any competitive experience or high school training experience. They're all kind of just like, we like to do other sports. So they do like football or basketball in the spring and the fall. Then they just come and grind it out in the summer. 
and we're breaking records, we're breaking league records, we're uh, we're putting other teams on notice, which is super awesome. Uh, I'd say in the past, uh, since I've been on a coach for my Dolphins team since so past nine years, I'd say I've we've collectively probably broken over 15, 20 team records and probably 10 league records, which is super awesome. And again, saying it just like the pool that we had at Bella Vista High School, some names that are on that record board, like Randall Ball, uh, he's swam uh, the top one of the top five 100 meter backstroke times of all time. He's one of the fastest swimmers in the world in the backstroke of his time. And so like when you have names like that on that pool deck and those are the people enter that water and how I'm able to like get them to the numbers that they had when they were their age, which it's super awesome. But uh, yeah, it's a lot, uh, especially with high school too. We have a lot of team record holders, um, league state champions. So um, it's, it's super cool. Yeah. We have, we have quite a few. Um, Some of them are under the age of 18. So I don't want to really give, say their name without, parental consent and all that so i'm going to keep it safe swimming is a very young sport is the i think the oldest person on the olympic team was like 31 so it's not a sport that you can really go to like your 40s and stuff like that so it's, it's a pretty young sport but yeah i have quite a few and uh this summer in our last month is this season or the last meets we have is this month so we're hoping to get at least three to four more uh, records broken this uh, this month uh, I know you mentioned to me that your favorite event to watch is the 400 meter uh, individual medley. Um, what is your favorite event to race in? And then what is your favorite to coach and why? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so for the 400 IM, uh, I would never swim that event to save my life. I've done it one time and I will never do it again. That is the hardest event ever to swim. Like period. It's harder than the mile. In my opinion, it's harder than open water just the amount of stress and pain your body goes through to finish that event and how they make it look so clean and smooth and effortless. It just blows my mind. So that's why I love watching that one. My favorite one to race. So I was a backstroker. Um, I turned into a backstroker. I'd say about my sophomore to junior year of high school for the longest time I was a butterflyer. That's pretty normal in the sport of swimming, believe it or not. I see a lot of kids that I coach when they're like little seven, eight, six and unders or nine tens. They're really strong at like breaststroke or freestyle. And then once they get into high school out of nowhere, just this, random stroke kind of just takes over so uh, my favorite one to swim was probably the 100 or the 200 backstroke i put in a lot of work on that one um i love just it's it's different you're on your back you really don't look at the bottom of the pool you're looking up at the sky it's kind of nice to see something different compared to just the bottom of a pool sometimes you're looking at rain sometimes you're looking at clouds which is kind of fun um my favorite coach um ooh, that's an interesting one i would probably have to say I kind of like coaching IMs just because um, the IM, it stands for individual medley. Um, but the cool thing about uh, the individual medley is a lot of people, um, if you train an athlete to be good at the IM, then they're going to be good at every other stroke because that is the only event that you swim every single stroke. You do three different turns. You swim four different strokes. You do one start. So like you get to work on all four strokes. There's always something to work on. There's always something to improve. We're compared to like your sprint. So you do like your 50 meter swims. It's just one lap heads down, spin to win. There's not much you can do there because they all come down to like one one hundredth of a second. That's more of a crapshoot. Those IMs, you can really find things in the event. Like, oh, we can work on this turn to push you off that, to get you off that wall a little bit faster. Hey, we can catch more water on that whip kick. We can grab more water on that pull down in that breaststroke. So. The coach definitely is the IM, and the best owners are the ones that train for that IM just because they're capable of doing all the events. Um, what are some general things that you preach when it comes to coaching swim? Uh, how would you describe your coaching philosophy? Oh, good, good question. So my coaching philosophy um, is I don't care if it's your first year on the team. I don't care if it's your tenth year on the team. Once you're under my control, once you're under my team, you're a dolphin, and I'm going to treat you just as equal as everyone else. Um, swimming is such a team sport, but it's a time sport. So you're racing against the clock, but at the end of the day, you are scoring points for your team. So it's one of those things where it's not like football, where you work as a team to score the most points and you win. Like in the Olympics, if you go the fastest time, you get the gold medal. That's how people see it. But at the end of the day, what people also don't know is you score points as a team for the Olympics. So I definitely coach in the philosophy of, hey, what is going to make our team the most successful? Because the more successful our team is, the better your individual performances are going to be. If I cater it to where I just train you to do your one best stroke, 
Like it's, it's just not going to work. It's that one team mentality. I know we preach a lot at where we work. Like if you're not working together as a team, if you're not willing to step up and help your teams become teammates become better, then there's just absolutely no performance. So one team is a big one that I praise. You're always as strong as your weakest link. We do a lot of sets to literally to where like, if you're the slowest one at practice and again, it's never the same person. There's so many factors in the sport of swimming, right? You ate something that just didn't sit well. You drilled a leg set and now we're asking you to do a dynamic fin set or a nitro fin set. It's just, it's all just different. So just understanding that every day is going to be different. You have to take every practice and you never go into practice knowing what you want to do because you, you got to take a look at what your athletes are looking like, how they're performing, and you have to cater your practices the day of. So my philosophy is taking it one day at a time. Um, make the decisions that are best for the team because at the end of the day, the better the team, the better the athletes, the better the morale is up, the more they want to come to practice, the more they want to work. And the, the most reason why people do sports is because they love it. It's, it's fun, right? If you are not loving what you're doing, if you do not love your sport, then there's no way you're going to be good at it, right? Love outweighs talent. You can be the most talent-given person. Like You can be like the strongest, most bulk person in swimming. But if you don't love it, it's it's not going to work. You, you have to love the sport. So definitely get them to love it is by far the most important thing. And then doing what's best for the team. What are some of your favorite places that you've traveled when it comes to swim? And are there any favorite places you have swam uh, at, whether it be for fun on a vacation or in a race? Gotcha. So I would say probably, I mean, besides Olympic trials, like I'm going, like that is, the pinnacle for American swimming. So we're going to, we're going to not include that one. Um, I'd have to say Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So Fort Lauderdale, Florida is the home of uh, USA swimming. It's where the international swimming hall of fame is. Um, so I got to go there. They, uh, when I went there, I went there in early uh, January, 2020. And uh, I got to go meet uh, Dave Leonard, one of the most iconic swim coaches in the world. He was the current uh, uh, America's swim coaches association president. So he was like, initiating all these conferences and I got to go to the hall of fame. I got to go to the pool that they're conducting, that they're building there an Olympic size pool with a huge jumbotron and like give input and feedback as an athlete at the time. And just being all like, yeah, no, this is definitely things that will benefit the athlete in the water, how the pool is shaped and built. But this sport has taken me so many places. Like that's just probably the coolest experience just because I've never been to Florida and being able to like say that I've been to the international swimming hall of fame. Hopefully one day my name will be up there. Uh, would be super cool, but I've been all over the nation. But uh, swimming is—it's—it's it's just taking me places I'd never think, I'd never imagine I've been to. But uh, I've been to East Coast, West Coast, all over the place. That's awesome, man. Well, I wanted to go ahead and get into the next thing here, and that next thing on the show. If, oh shoot, what's that? Oh, it's time for the fireball, everybody. All right, so this oh. segment on the show right here. This segment on the show is basically where I quiz my guest, asking them uh, some questions based on the subject matter that uh, they are involved in. If they manage to get five of them right in ninety seconds, they get to join the fireball hall of fame. We just had our first in inductee uh, last Tuesday in Abby Fame Gold. We're gonna see if we can get our second one right here so i have eight oh, questions no. here jack <laughs> i have eight questions here if you can get five of them right in 90 seconds you win all right so they're Are all you based ready? on swimming they're all based on swimming yes oh no okay yeah, <laughs> let's, let's give it let's give it our best shot man all, all right, right here it. we go are you ready yeah i'm ready let's go all let's right three two one Go. Who holds the Bella Vista High School record in the 50, 100, and 200-meter freestyle all in 2016? Oh, um, in 2016, that was uh, Liam O'Hamergan. Correct. Awesome. Uh, which American holds the long-course world record for the 100-meter backstroke? Uh, Aaron Pearsall. It's Ryan no, Murphy. That's Ryan Murphy. That's Ryan Murphy. <laughs> Ryan Murphy, yeah. How many gold medals does Michael Phelps have? Be within three. Uh, 23. Oh, look at that, right on the dot, perfect. Yeah. What year did Aaron Pearsall make his Olympic debut? Ooh, that was 2004. 2000. No, uh, 2000, so dang it, okay. Summer Sanders won two golds, one silver, and one bronze yep. in the 1992 Olympic Games held in which Spanish city? Oh, which one was that? Um, oh, I couldn't tell you, what is it? Give it to me. Barcelona. Barcelona, where okay. Did, where did Caleb Dressel compete in college? Oh, University of Florida. Go Gators. Perfect. Awesome. Michael Phelps captured and still holds the Olympic record for the 400 IM at which year's Olympic Games? 
2008. Correct. What is the length of an Olympic-sized pool, and how many lanes are there? Uh, so that's a trick question. Fun fact. So it's 50 meters. Yeah. Uh, in an Olympic-sized pool, uh, see, so you can do 10 lanes or you can do 16 lanes. But right now, I would go to the I would have taken either one. I would have taken yeah. either one. Perfect <laughs> job with five seconds to spare. He's done it, folks. Hey. He did, it in, he did it in a minute 25. Good job, sir. All right. He is the new inductee. Those are good. Hey, those are some good researching questions. But I was surprised <laughs> on that. I'm mad it's I didn't crazy. get the Ryan Murphy. So Aaron Pearsall holds the world record. Aaron, or Ryan Murphy holds the American record. And so I, who, my, who, my, who, I just who? brain farted. No, here's the thing. You were half right, but there was a, a, a thing in there. I said, which American holds the long course world record for the 100 meter backstroke? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> See, Aaron Pearsall and Ryan Murphy, those are the two like gods of swimming. American backstroke is yes. it's so elite. And so those two have literally just taken it by storm. So if it's yep. not Aaron Pearsall, it's Ryan Murphy. Most of the time it's a coin flip, but no, that's awesome, dude. Those Pearsall are great questions. Pearsall was the short course and Murphy was the long course. So, yep, good job. All right. Awesome. Well, he's a, he's a new entry in the Fireball Hall of Fame. That was our uh, for the week. We'll be preparing for a lot more going forward. I do – I'm going to eventually have to keep track of this somewhere, and I'm going to have to, like, make some sort of, like, something out of it when we get to, like, 10, 15 shows in, something like that. Yeah. Um, no, but with that, <laughs> with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and get back into a few more questions I have for Jack, and then, uh, and then we'll go ahead and wrap everything up here. Um, and this one just actually has to do with people and swimming in general. Um, I did some research on this. <laughs> our, our first guest on the show, DJJ, in the chat. I'm the, still the only one not in. Hey, you gave it a good shot. You got three of them right on your one. Hey, what's up, Joseph? <laughs> uh, well, eight, so the, here's the question. Uh, well, 80% of people in the U.S. say they can swim, only 56% can perform the five basic skills to save their life. I would actually fall in this category myself. What would be your best piece of advice for someone who wants to learn how to swim so that they can actually save their life in a, any scenario? So the best advice for someone who wants to learn how to swim or the best advice yes. for someone who wants um, to love the water? you have to just love the water and be comfortable in the water. So a lot of people, when they go in, they think that they need to learn like how to be fast at swimming. No, like just feel comfortable and know your limits in the water. The best thing that you can do is start in the water, float around, just get comfortable with what you like and what you don't like. And then slowly but surely get yourself more into learning the strokes. Don't get into it expecting to learn it just off the bat. It takes years and years to get extremely comfortable in the water. Also, fun fact, I don't know if you know about this, Aaron, but I think they said like over 70% of all drownings were come from people who claim to have been experienced or swimmers. Wow. Just because open water, it's so different with the current and stuff. People think that they can just outswim whatever they want to swim. So again, just being comfortable in the water, knowing your limits and understanding, hey, it, it's dangerous, but like if you know how to, if you know how to be safe and you know your limits, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, what are your future plans now when it comes to swim and coaching? Where do you kind of hope to go from here? What do you have planned kind of going forward? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So uh, this is my first year as the head coach for the Feral Dolphins, my, uh, my childhood team, which I'm so happy to still be with. Um, my goal is I want to be within like the next 10-ish years, I want to be the head coach of a college swim program um, at any level. Just like I said with the Sierra College, like even if it's a, uh, all the way junior college to NCAA Division One, I, I just want it. I want to go to a program that I can help build and win a lot of titles and championships. So I got to go for my master's degree. So I'm going to be starting off with that. Um, in the short term, it's just coaching as much as I can, just getting on the pool deck, uh, summer seasons, fall season, winter seasons, going to as many swim meets as I can, instilling the love that uh, my coaches gave me, the reason why I chose to be a swimmer and swim for as long as I did. Now I kind of want to pass that on to the next generation. So, uh, just being on the deck and just coaching whenever I can. Where are you going for your master's if you don't mind me asking? I'm not sure yet. I'm going to go play that by ear. Um, I don't know if I want to go back into the sit in the classroom. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to try the online route, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, I'm, I like to take steps one, one day at a time, so we'll see. Um, what would you say are some of your biggest strengths and weaknesses when it comes to being a racer and then as a coach? All right. So my strengths as a, as a when I was uh, when I race, um, I would say um, my weakness would definitely be uh, I'm I'm very hard on myself. I like um, I don't like to lose, and I definitely don't like to lose in public. So sometimes I would overtrain or overwork my body. So like my doctors or our team physicians and our uh, 
all of you are massage therapists are like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta take down the training a little bit. Your body is obviously in pain. It's overworking, but just, I just love the drive and just the thought of me not being in the water. It just absolutely broke my heart. And just like, I'm just, I'm not as happy when I'm not in the water. So that was definitely be a weakness, but then it also could be a strength because like, I would always be at practice five days a week, even even if I knew it wasn't my day or I knew I was going to be practicing against people that were way better than me. Just knowing in my mind, hey, I have something to work towards. I have something to achieve and accomplish. I always, I never pinnacled. I never wanted to, I never see myself like having a plateau. I'm, I'm not really into the whole, like, I need to have this time goal that I'm satisfied with my swim career. I just wanted to see how long it take me, how far it'd take me. Uh, for coaching, I would say my biggest strength um, would be just the love for the sport, just understanding, like being someone that grew up uh, on the dolphins and knowing what it took for me to love the sport, to continue to what I needed to do. That's what I can pass on to these swimmers. So I try to, re I try to recreate my younger years as much as I can with my younger athletes, like my little six and unders and seven eights to get them to love the sport. So I always, so this season we started bring a boom box on a boom box on the pool deck. So we're playing music. Uh, we're, we're letting the kids like pick genres and songs and stuff like that. And they're getting onto it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the TikTok suggestions, but there's quite <laughs> yeah, a few of those. I would second that probably. <laughs> yeah, there's a, quite a few of those. So just bringing the energy up and just understanding like, hey, this is this is a sport that you've come to to love because it's the best sport in the world. Um, biggest opportunity or weakness as a coach, uh, I would definitely say just uh, it, it just my, my inner competitor. You got to understand that every athlete is different. You have some athletes that come on your deck and they simply do it because they, they love to swim. And those are my favorite people to coach because like they just want to love. And you have some people there that are like, listen, I want to go to a college program. I just want to compete. I want to go. I want to go. So finding that balance of like, hey, the people that want to like be college swimmers, then they want to push themselves. They want to break those team and league records. They want to be a state champion. Like, hey, get up and go without ruining the experience for the people that are just there because they genuinely love the sport of swimming. So just finding that fine line, not over, not yelling, but just like being overly stressful on the people that are not looking for that and being under stressful for the people that want to work hard. So it's, it's a fine line, but I love it. It's, it's a challenge every day. I come on the deck. It's always something different. Uh, if you had to give one story about one of your favorite times or just like a, a cool story, something funny um, from your whole experience or whole, your whole time in swim, what would be one of like your favorite stories that you can tell on, on air? <laughs> oh, man. Um, one of my favorite stories. Um, I got to say probably um, I'll, I'll think of a. I'll think of a recent one. So I, I have these two boys on my team and uh, they're absolute workhorses and animals. And they, they're uh, one of them is the kind of athlete where um, he, he gets so mad at himself and like his, his, the more anger that he builds in himself, the faster he goes. And just, uh, he doesn't, uh, he, he definitely has high expectations. And then when he reaches his expectations, uh, he's never satisfied. He's always like, I can do better. I can go stronger. And then at our 2019 uh, championships, when he has had absolutely no high school swim experience, going up against seniors in high schools who are league record holders, going to swim for college universities and uh, being top four against those guys where swimming for only three months while they're swimming year round every day of their life. That was a super cool experience. And then my favorite one in 2019, I had a 13, 14 boy and, uh, his goal was to be the high point in our league champion. So he wanted to score the most points out of all the 13, 14 boys. And he, his very first event, uh, the scoreboard said that he won the IM. And then five seconds later, it says it got second. And he actually lost to the person next to him who outtouched him by one one hundredth of a second. And the wow. person that outtouched him by one one hundredth of a second just broke the league record. So if he would have gone two one hundredths of a second faster, he would have had a league record. And that wow. league record hasn't been broken since like 2006 from a kid that's like, at uh, UC San Diego and Olympic trials qualifier and finalist. So like, so like that kind of got him down a little bit, but he worked his way back up and uh, he was pretty convinced that he got second place. And uh, when the announcer said that uh, he got first place, just seeing the reaction on his face and just like the light. And then ever since then, he just came to, he comes to practice every single day and he grinds. And now he's one of the fastest kids on the team. It's super awesome. And that's why I love that. Coach, and that's why I love coaching. I tell people all the time, my greatest memory as an athlete of just being behind the blocks, hearing the announcer cheer your name, the lights on you, the music blaring, the fans cheering, I'd give that all away 
just for that one reaction when a kid looks at their time and they see that they broke a record, they broke their personal best time. It is the best feeling in the world as a coach. And they come to you and they hug you and they're just like, man, like I did it. I did. It. And I go, yes, you did. Like, no, no one else did. It, it was you and all your hard work. It, it's awesome. But there's so many stories putting me on the spot for one, man. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> that was good. But then again, also at trials, man, just seeing those people actually like reach their lifelong goals, being top two in the nation for their respective events. And then just everyone just breaking down of just tears of happiness and years of sacrifice, especially in a year of COVID where this trials was supposed to be last year. And they had to do another year of training just to get here. And they finally made it. It was awesome, dude. Those, those memories, man, there are so many. It's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Oh, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Um, for those in the audience who may not know, give you give us like a brief description or a little description of how like the scoring system kind of works when it comes to competitive swimming. How how does that kind of work? Yeah, so basically, um, it depends on the meet. Uh, so basically, if you get first place, you get a certain amount of points, and then uh, you only score points in finals. So normally, there's a prelims, a semifinals, and a finals. Sometimes in the more basic level swimming, there's just a prelims and a finals. Sometimes finals can be anywhere from eight athletes to 16 athletes so like in the in the league that i coach for and our swim champs that we do is we race semifinals in the morning top 10 in each event come back in the afternoon they race in finals so first place gets 11 points second place gets nine all the way down so if you make finals and you don't get disqualified you're going to score points high school uh top 16 makes finals but you have uh seeds 9 through 16 make the semifinal seeds 1 through 8 make the final if you like, so you get points based off that. Uh, relays, for the most part, it's just the team that wins gets the points. So that's usually a huge point boost. There's usually like seven points. So like only first place has to win. When it comes to college and elite level swimming, it's all different. Uh, basically, it's uh, as long as you don't get disqualified. So there's a million ways you can get disqualified in order to get disqualified from swimming. You have to do something that gives you an unfair advantage in the water whether that be taking an illegal stroke, an illegal kick, pushing off that wall too soon, or pushing off on your stomach when you're supposed to be pushing off on your back, things like that. But in college, basically, uh, it comes down to you have your, it's just like Olympic trials. You have your prelims, your semifinals, and your finals, and then you score points in the finals, depending on where you place. Uh, what are some hobbies or things that you like to do outside of swim when you have free time? Oh man, swimming is my hobby. It's my life. Uh, some things that I like to do outside. Um, I like disc golfing. Uh, I've been re I've been getting really into that. I know we got to go sometime, Aaron. I, yeah, I, I know definitely. you play a lot. Uh, I do that a lot. Uh, it's gonna kind of sound pretty sad, but just researching, swim, watching old swim tapes, watching some of the local Olympians that we have living in our neighborhood, seeing how they swam and how the how the sport has evolved from back then when they swam in like the seventies and the eighties, and now to the my teammates and. Uh, people that I coach and work with that are racing now in the 2021 Olympics, just seeing how the sport has evolved and just writing articles and just talking to coaches, reaching out to coaches. I know it sounds sad. You're all like, what are your hobbies that you like to do outside of swim? And I'm all like, well, just study more swim, but it's a beautiful sport. So yeah, I disc golf whenever I can, but uh, just research swim and just try to find new ways to teach strokes and make the sport fun. You have a you have a favorite course around here that you've played out of like every there's not a ton around here there's a few courses I, you, yeah Shady Oaks and Orangevale when it's not super popular but it's yeah. not really super popular. <laughs> just like uh, I like I like to go whenever I go to Tahoe I like a course in Incline Village that one's really good it's an 18 I've never gotten to play there but I've I've never gotten to play there but I've heard good things about it um I know that like during uh, winter it usually gets snowed in and stuff over there um yeah. but it's a nice course from what everything I've read and heard yeah I mean, we go should go sometime we'll plan a day yeah. we'll do a day trip out there and we'll go we'll go play in quick 18 it's a lot of fun definitely um well the only other thing I have is there anything else you would like to add when it comes to swimming racing or coaching I mean I kind of just want to shout out our local Sacramento Olympians I mean I don't think a lot of people know that uh we are probably arguably the fastest swimming community in the world. I mean, just a, we all know who Michael Phelps is, but most people don't know who Mark Spitz is. So uh, Michael Phelps uh, broke the record for the most Olympic medals. And uh, the dude who owned it was named was Mark Spitz. He swam at the Arden Hills Swim Club out here in Sacramento. Uh, so like it goes Michael Phelps, probably Ryan Lochte, and then Mark Spitz right here lives in our local community and does a lot of work. Other people like Mike Burton, uh, four-time Olympic medalist and swimming multiple relays, uh, Jeff Float. Uh, Jeff Float is deaf. 
He's a Death Olympian and a U.S. Olympian. If you ever, if you want to see a fun, fun race, you go look up the uh, the relay that he swam. Uh, and he was like the third leg, and they were down, and he caught up and won the team gold. Uh, coaches in the area, really local guy. You have Debbie Myers and Summer Sanders, two um, awesome athletes. Uh, Debbie Myers has her own swim school out here, teaches young kids how to swim. Debbie Myers has uh, funded the Roseville Aquatic Center. So she's out there all the time inspiring young athletes. And uh, some people that are on the team this year, so like Haley Anderson out of Granite Bay High School. She swam for the Sierra Marlin swim team. Then she swam uh, for the Mission Viejo Natadors. And uh, she's the local swim swimming the 10K open water swim. Super awesome stuff. Uh, a really good friend of mine, Bryce Mefford. Uh, we swam together in high school. We trained together. He made it the 200-meter backstroke with Ryan Murphy, who we talked about as the long course world champion record holder so he's literally right there with him oak ridge high school trained at Folsom aquatic center erica brown who's from marysville moved out to the east coast in high school but still trained with her a lot as a kid uh we talked about uh and then there's some other like Alyssa anderson who's a gold medalist but like people don't understand the power and the connections that sacramento has in swimming some of the greatest olympians in the world are from Sacramento and especially in the sport of swimming. So if you definitely want to get into the local sports community and understand like how powerful Sacramento is as a sport community, get involved with swimming, just learn a little bit, go out to your local swim meet, go learn something about the sport. Aaron, I'd love to bring you out to one of our meets that I coach so you can experience the electrifying sport that it is a swimming. But uh, this to uh, Tokyo 2021, there's going to be a lot of local kids swimming. So make sure you're tuning in and watching and uh, if you ever want to get into the sport of swimming, it doesn't matter how tall, how short, how big, how wide you are, how many years of experience. If you can get the fundamentals down, you could become an Olympian. It's, it's super awesome. Thank you. Well, that's awesome, man. That is a great, yeah. uh, great message. And, and yes, I definitely would love to come out to a meet. And if I get the chance to even report, that'd be great as well. So yeah, thank you for that. Jack, I want to thank you so much for being on, man. This has been an awesome conversation. This has been great to talk about everything when it comes to the swim world, about your experiences and inspirations and all that stuff. Um, I really, it's been an awesome conversation, man. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I just need to shout out my dolphins out at home that are probably going to be watching this. I'll be back on the pool deck soon. Uh, get ready to race. We're Gold River next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, maybe Aaron will come out to one of these meets. You guys can meet him and stuff. He's a really cool guy. But Aaron, thanks for having me on. And uh, tell me, swimming's the best sport in the world. Get on board, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming. We're on the up and up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. You have a good one. Thank you so much hey, you for too, being here. This was fun, right. bud. Of course. All right. Take care. All right, so that was Jack Soltz, and uh, what a wonderful conversation that was. That was uh, really cool. Uh, great to be able to have him on and talk everything when it comes to uh, the swim world. Really had a great time. Um, I, I pretty much just want to end this show. Um, I know I mentioned last week that I ended it with some political thoughts. I want to end this week's show with some motivational thoughts. And uh, going right in line uh, with the theme of swim, it's uh, keeping your head above water. I know that there's been a lot of people during this pandemic uh, who have uh, been plagued by mental health issues who have you know developed depression who have, who have had really tough times and the whole thing is I just want to you know say to those people just try to reach out to someone um, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys know if you guys ever want to you know you need to message me you ever need to message somebody for anything I'm here um, my email is into the epicenter at gmail.com my phone number is 916-865-7585 there's people out there that do care about you um, please reach out um, I, I there's tons of issues when it comes to this and it's something that I really do care about in my heart. Donate to mental health organizations. Donate to um, these help help groups and all that stuff. I know I had um, Joseph on the first podcast and he mentioned what he was able to do with the Forest Hill Bridge. Join a movement, something like that. It, there's so much stuff that you guys can do out there. And um, you know, for anybody who is hurting, just reach out to someone. There are people out there that do care about you. Keep your head above water. All right, that is the end of the show. I want to thank uh, you, everybody who has been able to tune in. Um, this will be posted on my Spotify after, so that is in my Instagram bio. If anybody is curious and wants to listen to the audio version, this will also be posted on here after this is over. Um, once again, thank you, Jack, for coming on. Thank you to everybody who has tuned in. Um, only other thing is be prepared for another show. I'll be mentioning it on my social media. It's likely going to be sometime next Thursday or Saturday evening. I do plan on having an artist or musician on my next show. So uh, with that being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Take care. Have a safe 4th of July. Peace out.